my turn. Thank you so much. I love that song. First I've ever heard it, but that's awesome. What a wonderful, wonderful truth to, to rest upon, to shout, to proclaim, to, to rest in. Oh, gone, gone, gone forever, gone. What a glorious, glorious truth. Take your Bibles and turn with me <clears throat> to 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 18. If you were here this morning for Bible Hour, we had a lot of fun, didn't we? We went and were studying and learning about the great prophet Elijah. Now, some of you that know me, do you think I like the prophet Elijah? How many of you think I like the prophet Elijah? Of course I like the prophet Elijah. I named my firstborn son after the prophet Elijah. Elijah, wow, what a prophet. Yet you ever read about him? You know, I was sharing this this morning and afterwards, um, Somebody came up to me and said, that's my favorite Bible story in the whole Bible. And, um, and I'm, I'm like, yeah, it's one of mine too. And I, and I asked this person, do you, do you know what comes next? He goes, well, that's the end. He goes to heaven next, right? And um, I said, well, yeah, he does. He rides a fiery chariot to heaven. Um, but you know, so many of your children's Bible storybooks skip over what really happens next. Do you really know what happens next? Now I got you all thinking, maybe you don't. I mean, we, we have Elijah here, a man of God who has challenged the most powerful king in the region. I mean, really he is. We look back in secular history of how the surrounding nations perceived Omri and Ahab. Ahab was powerful. And he had a wife who had brought into the kingdom over 800 pagan prophets. And Elijah, this bold, courageous man, summons them all to Mount Carmel. And there before the nation of Israel, as well as these prophets of Baal, as well as the most powerful king in the region, challenges them. He had God on his side. He had nothing to be afraid of, right? That day, before the nation, he calls upon God to show himself as God to the nation. And God showed up. Um, another individual came to me this morning and said, <clears throat> when you read about the stones were burned up, you know, we melt stones. But these were stones that were vaporized. Do you know how hot it's got to be to do that? Um, and I, I, I told him he's got to send me the exact figures, but he had researched it one time and of how many degrees you had to heat up rock to get it to vaporize. And then compared it to what the hottest man is able to um, generate, how, how hot man is able to, how much heat man is able to generate, and it doesn't even come close. It's not even, not even half the temperature required to vaporize rock. You know, we have lava, that's pretty hot. I mean, this is rock that vaporized. That's hot. God showed himself 
mighty and strong that day. There was a great victory. The people followed God's directive in the formal execution of these prophets of Baal. And news comes back to Jezebel that night. 400 of your prophets of Baal are dead. And we ended this morning with Jezebel, chapter 19 and verse 2, sending a message to Elijah. I'm really curious why she sent a messenger and not an executioner. But she sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. He receives a threat from Jezebel. Now, you all know the Bible storybook. You, you read about Mount Carmel and the victory and the fire coming down from heaven and burning up the offering. And then you turn the page and Elijah's riding a fiery chariot to heaven. But that's not the whole story. In fact, I'm really, really, really glad it's not the whole story. Because so often in our lives, we're looking for the fake world. <laughs> and that might leave you with a fake impression of the man Elijah. We can't forget what happens in chapter 19. He's threatened by Jezebel, who is basically telling him that you're going to be as dead as my prophets by this time tomorrow. 24 hours, you're dead. You're a dead man. Now you're all again thinking, well, he didn't die because I know, I saw it in the Bible storybooks. He rode on a fiery chariot to heaven. And you're right, he did. But in the truth of the matter, in some ways, something worse happened that night. It says in 1 Kings 19.3 that when he, Elijah, saw that, I think it's interesting that it uses the word saw that. Saw that. I think that throughout the Bible you'll find a harmony of how we see things that I think all hinges around the doctrinal truth in the New Testament which declares that we walk by faith, not by sight. When we see things, and we do see things, and we should see things, we be careful in how we respond when we see things. Do we respond in faith? Here Elijah saw that. He arose and went for his life. He ran away. And he came to Beersheba. Beersheba is the southernmost city of the heartland of Israel, which belongeth unto Judah. And he left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. You know, Beersheba is actually kind of wilderness. And now he goes a day's journey into the wilderness. And he sat down under a juniper tree. You don't find this in the Bible storybooks. I actually checked several of my Bible I, I collect Bible storybooks. I love Bible storybooks. Um, and I love them because um, that's kind of an oxymoron. Because I love them and I hate them all at the same time. Um... And you know, I didn't find a picture of Elijah sitting under a juniper tree. But we need a picture of Elijah sitting under a juniper tree. And we can't forget this part about Elijah's ministry and his life. Because he comes and he sits under the juniper tree. And if you look there in verse 4, it says he requested for himself. 
that he be delivered from Jezebel and have a great ministry for God, right? No. He sat under that juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die and said, it is enough. Now, O Lord, take my life, for I am not better than my father's. I say, wait a minute. This is the guy who just a day or a few days at the most before stood up with boldness and courage. When Ahab says to him, art thou the man that troubleth Israel? And he responded with courage and said, I have not, but ye have troubled Israel, and ye have brought great wickedness into the land. And the courage of him standing there at Mount Carmel, and now he has run away, and he is sitting under a juniper tree, and he is saying, God, kill me. Let me die. I think that God recorded this for us preachers, because sometimes us preachers are called into situations, and you know we like to fix things. You know, preachers don't do a very good job of fixing people. God's got to fix people. And sometimes preachers need to learn from what's going on right here. That when somebody comes and gives you the dumps on you, it's interesting what God does. Uh, he, it goes on in verse 5 and says, And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Get your act together, Elijah. What's wrong with you? <laughs> no, that's not what the angel did. He, he slept under a juniper tree, and then behold, then an angel touched him. And said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came unto him again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink. And went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God, Mount Sinai. So fascinating. God who comes to this man in misery and says, go to bed. Here's some food. It's one reason when I go visit people, I always ask, have you eaten? Have they got food? Can I bring some food? It's really an important piece of helping minister to people. Food is an important part. And even God lays this out here. But you see, I don't really want to spend a lot of time, especially this afternoon, in, in looking at that. We'll, we'll come back to that next week. What, what I want to come back to is, is this man, this man, Elijah, and what's going on in his heart. Turn with me to James chapter 5. You know, we look back at Elijah and we say, wow, what a man of God, what a man of courage, what a man of strength. I wish I could be like Elijah. Well, Elijah wasn't much different than you or I. Did you know that? Elijah was a lot like you and me. How do I know? Not me just making it up. Look here in James chapter 5 and verse 15. It says, And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, 
The Lord shall raise him up, and if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. We don't have time to go into all of the context, but the context of this is about praying for the afflicted and the sick. Verse 16. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another that ye may be healed. And then it says this, and we looked at this this morning and last time when we were in, in 1 Kings. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias. Now you might be reading here and read the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Then you read Elijah and you go bang right back. Elijah, well, he's the guy that prayed and this didn't rain for three years. He's the guy who prayed and fire came down from heaven. He's the guy who prayed and it rained again after three years. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. There must have been something special about that guy, Elijah. And there wasn't. How do I know? Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. He wasn't much different than you and me. Here's the thing that's amazing. He had the same God you and I have. His name means my God is Jehovah. Is your God Jehovah? You may be a man of like passions as Elijah. In fact, I think you are. I mean, we, we all have passions. We all have lusts. We all have failures. We all have, I mean, in that aspect there of the like passions, there's a lot of things we could loop into that. I think what's being described is Elijah's utter discouragement as he sits under the juniper tree. You ever been under a juniper tree? I'm not talking about a literal juniper tree. I'm talking about, have you ever been in that place of discouragement? Fear, failure, heartache, temptation, passion, desire. Hope deferred in a sick heart. Been in that place? I've been there a lot. I'm nothing special. But I've got a special God. Just like Elijah. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. <sighs> that's Elijah. Really, that's Elijah's God. And Elijah means, my God is Jehovah. Is he your is he your God on the mountaintops, the mountains of Carmel? Is he your God at the brook Cherith when the scavenging ravens are all that's providing for you? Is he your God when your sustenance is provided by the poorest of poor, a widow? Is he your God when you have the evil queen seeking 
your life. See, you're God in every situation and in every time. Elijah, <laughs> I'm looking forward to coming back to this. We don't have time to do it today, but, but, but just to set the stage. What a great God we have. One whom we can come to, one whom we can rest in, and one whom we can trust. Speaking of rest, turn with me over to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4 speaks of a rest that the believer enters into. We don't have time this afternoon to go into all the fascinating details surrounding the concept of this rest. But I'll bring you to the conclusion of it. You see, we have a lot of problems, don't we? And we find ourselves a lot of times in, under the juniper tree. I'm using that to describe those times of discouragement, those times of failure, those times of frustration, those times of fear. We find ourselves under the juniper tree. What, what do we do then? Well, we can remember Elijah. But there's someone more important we need to remember. And that's our high priest, Jesus Christ. And it tells us here that in verse 14, seeing then, that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. I love here seeing. Seeing then we have a great high priest. And he is passed into the heavens. He is Jesus, the Son of God. Thereby let us hold fast our profession. Now listen to this. For we... Have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. There, let us, therefore, come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus, the eternal Son of God, the creator of all things, also was a man of like passions as we. He's one who can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities because he too was tried, tempted, and tested. He too was tested, yet he without sin. And so when we find ourselves under the juniper tree, when we find ourselves faced with temptation, when we find ourselves afraid, you put it in, in what it is, you find yourself. You know. I, I don't know where your heart finds itself this afternoon or where it will find itself tomorrow. But when you find yourself in that place, under whatever juniper tree is in your life, Remember Elijah, and then remember your Savior, who has entered into the heavenlies, the one who is touched by our infirmities. He knows. He went through it. And we can then enter boldly into his throne of grace and obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Wow.
let's do that. So when you find yourself under the juniper tree, the next place you want to go is to the throne of grace. Now you know why I love the name Elijah. Because I don't feel so great most of the time. But not about how I feel. It's about the reality and the fact that my God is great. And he wants to work through me. And all I need to do is let him. Which brings us to communion. He is our great high priest. Do you know why we can come boldly to the throne of grace? It's because of what we remember today. Here with the broken bread, picturing the broken body of our Savior. With the cup, the juice, picturing his shed and poured out blood for the remission of our sins. It's because he's the high priest who gave himself a sacrifice that when we find ourselves under the juniper tree, we have a place we can go because of our high priest. And so as we observe communion today, you may right now have a juniper tree. We, I can't see it. You might be sitting under a juniper tree right now with a sin or a problem or a trial or something. You know what it is. Today, as we prepare to remember and observe communion, enter into the throne of grace. Great God, we give thanks to you for your loving kindness and your great goodness. We are so small, we are so frail, we are so unworthy you love us and you long to lift us up you long to give us the strength the grace the mercy that we need and we give thanks we give thanks this day that you are our great high priest that you did all that is required so that we might enter boldly so that we might obtain the mercy and find the grace to help in time of need. So, Father, as we remember now your gift of Jesus, and as we give thanks for his shed blood and broken body, we praise you and him that he lives, ever making intercession for us. And so, Lord, now, be with us as we remember and give thanks. And I pray now for each one here this afternoon or those watching via live stream, Lord, I pray that whatever the juniper tree is or the situation that has brought them to such a place, that today they would refocus their eyes upon you. And so, Lord, now, we surrender ourselves and give ourselves to you, giving thanks for Calvary. And we pray in Christ's precious name. Amen. If you take your hymnals.